Word Up from the mighty, mighty CGSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton, Alberta, Treaty 6 territory, the neighborhood of Strathcona, the vicinity of Mill Creek Ravine. This is Word Salad, the show with all the words, all the best words. The only show you're going to find on the radio that examines a word or a group of words tracks down their forgotten or hidden histories, plays you songs about those words, brings you interviews with fascinating people, does it every time, every month, without fail, coronavirus or no, isolation or no. That's right, I am your host, Dr. Russell Cobb, and this month we're bringing you a show on virus, pandemic, coronavirus, quarantine, and isolation. Why those words? Why those words? Well, these are all words that have entered our lexicon in a big way in the past few months. And if, like me, you've wondered about where they come from, how they differ from one another, what exactly a virus is, what the secret history of quarantine and what it has to do with the number 40, well, you're in luck because I am here to bring you those stories. And they are driven because I couldn't really get out and talk to a lot of people this month. I've got uh, my interview subjects right here at home. I've got my sons, Henry and August, uh, my wife, Rachel, who you'll hear from briefly, and a few phone interviews you'll hear from frequent contributor, frequent guest to Word Salad, Apollonia Pina, my Oklahoma and research collaborator, who is also a scientist and will tell us more about the science behind a lot of these concepts. And then we will also, what else will we do? Shall I make it a surprise? You know what? I do have a few surprises for you. So why don't you stick with us? Stay tuned and get all stories about from Word Salad Virus Edition. Corona. Corona.
talking about what homeschool has been like. It has been probably one of the most boring and annoying things ever. <laughs> Mainly because A, I can't spend time with my friends. B, I Wait, did you guys hear me say A? Oh, okay. A, I'll just start over. A, I can't spend time with my friends. B, I'm stuck inside with my brother who is driving me crazy. I'll just kind of start with coronavirus. That's just like, I know that virus is a kind of like sickness. And then corona means crowning in Latin. If you're wondering why scientists called it, hold it that, it's because the virus under a microscope, it actually looks like a, well... It actually looks like it has all of those, like, studs like a crown does. Quarantine. Quarantine is a lot like isolation, except... You don't exactly, like... It's not that you have the option to... With quarantine, you have to. So, yeah. Once again, it gets pretty boring. Now, what do I want to talk about? Oh, this might be a tough one. Um... Oh, if you're wondering what those things that sounds like wind is, it's because I have a pretty quiet voice, so I have to put the microphone, like, right up to my mouth. So, um, that's me actually breathing. A lot in the last 40 days would include coronavirus, COVID-19, Quarantine, isolation, um, social distancing. What else? Hand sanitizer? <laughs> Hand washing protocol. Face mask. What else? Um, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. That was good. Okay, perfect. Bye. So maybe I can ask you, well, what is a virus? A virus is a microscopic infectious agent that replicates itself only inside the living cells of an organism. And viruses are pretty weird because they're considered an organism, but they're considered an organism that's at the edge of life because they do carry genetic material, they do reproduce, and they do evolve and mutate, but they lack a cell structure that's considered necessary to count as life. So... For instance, like they don't have any organelles, they don't have plasma membranes. So 
I remember when I was learning about viruses in undergrad, the way I remembered how viruses are so weird and freaky is I thought of them as kind of like these weird vampire or zombie organisms where they're kind of alive, but they're kind of not at the same time. Like they need another living cell in order to live and reproduce and replicate itself. Wow. So they're not alive? They're not they're alive. They're not. Yeah. So there's kind of two terms for virus. So um, whenever there is a virus that's just kind of free floating around the body, not actively in the process of attacking a host cell or reproducing, it's actually called a virion. And it's only considered a virus when it is actually like, you know, kind of landing on the surface of a cell then injecting its genetic material and then reproducing. Then and only then is it considered a virus. Huh. That's very strange. Yeah. What? So you likened it to a zombie? That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. It's like replicating itself and it's going after life, but it itself is not alive. Yeah, or kind of like a vampire, where in order to thrive and live, it kind of needs to suck the life force out of something else, which is totally what it's doing when it attacks these other cells. And then but, whenever... But it if it... Does, yeah, but what? when it... But what I don't... What doesn't make sense to me is if it needs to attack another living organism for it to replicate itself, if it is really successful, it actually kills that organism and then it can't uh, do what it wants to do anymore, right? Isn't that, uh, isn't that right? The original host cell? Yeah. Yeah, the host cell lyses, it bursts open. So say that there's one virus and it attaches, kind of like a moon landing or something, right? And so, like, it attaches on the surface and then it injects its genetic material into the host uh, cell. And then it just starts replicating and replicating itself to where, where it was one virus now becomes, say, 50 inside this host organism. It, it eventually just bursts through the skin of that host cell. So it's pretty vicious, actually. And so it just kills it immediately. And then you have 50 other um, viruses floating around the body that are finding more and more thriving living host cells. And then they're going to go inspect them. And then they replicate, and it replicates further and further and further. And so as you can see, it takes a matter of a couple of days for a human being to start feeling the effects of this virus and the sickness thereof. Eventually it can kill the entire organism. When you say the entire organism, I guess we need to be clear like of what you mean like a, here. Well let's just let's just take let's just take the example of a person. Mm-hmm. And we we'll talk more specifically about coronavirus. So the the virus manages to attach itself into a person's cells. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the person, what is it? Is it, the, is it like, 
is why doesn't the virus? Okay, I guess I got to have a, a question for you. Why does the why does the virus only kill some people and not others? If it's if it's constantly replicating itself and attaching itself to more and more cells, why does it end up killing certain people and not others? So that's kind of a loaded question, and there's like a multitude of factors of why that could possibly be. That's kind of out of the scope of my knowledge, but what I can tell you about that is that ultimately it has to do with um, that person's unique immune system and their ability to fight off a virus initially, um, in addition to if they have other comorbidities. So when I say comorbidities, I mean to somebody have an issue with their health? Are they overweight? Are they diabetic? Do they have an autoimmune disease to begin with? Or are they somebody that's like in peak fitness? Um, they are very healthy and they don't have any underlying genetic factors that may play a role in their own body and system being more susceptible to a viral attack. So that's why you kind of see like the majority of people that are getting sick from COVID-19 tend to be older people. So they have um, decreased immune resistance, but there's also younger people that have gotten deathly ill and, and have died from COVID-19. And generally they did have some underlying medical issue, but what those different types of issues are, are a whole lot of reasons. Okay. Okay. So that's super complicated. And totally depends on that. And it's going to depend. On, and it's going to depend on so many different factors. Okay, I get it. All right, tell, tell me about Corona, because my 11-year-old insists on telling this joke, which is only marginally funny. But he's 11, so I give him props. He said, uh, "Isn't it ironic that um, a the, a president who's anti?" anti-China and anti-Mexico um, is is going to have his presidency undone by a virus from China named after a Mexican beer, which I was like, that's only kind of funny. But anyway, Corona. I think, okay, Ross, I think you need to give your son a little bit more credit because for <laughs> an 11-year-old, that's pretty damn good, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you explain why Corona? So in this corona, particular case, mm-hmm. uh, is Latin in origin, and it means wreath or crown. And so, in the sciences, Corona is used a lot. Um, that term Corona is used in botany, anatomy, biology, and astronomy. So, to kind of give you a couple of examples, Corona borealis constellation. Um, that's a constellation that was named after a Greek mythology, uh, and it's considered to represent the crown that was given by Dionysus to Ariadne. And then, in addition, bringing it anatomical, there's the corona of the glans penis, which is the projecting ridge part of the head or glands of the male penis. Well, how about that? Wreath or crown of the penis. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That part that's protected by the foreskin, unless you don't have a foreskin. Unless you have uh, been cut without consent and had it removed from you as a baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Okay. All right. That one was... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, but specific to coronavirus. So um, viruses come in different shapes and sizes. And um, so the coronavirus, though, is an umbrella term for a host of a virus family. And the reason why they are called that is because of the spikes that protrude from the membrane of this virus. And so each coronavirus uh, is surrounded by a corona or halo of these viral spikes, which are peplomeres, and the peplomeres are just glycoproteins on a virus, which is probably more information than you need to know, but in case you wanted to know it, that's what it is. I'm glad I'm glad to know it. I did, I don't know if I need to know it, but I'm glad that I know that. Because yeah. it's sort of like it's sort of what become one of those caricatures of the virus yeah. is is you know. Um that was that and was so, pretty easy. Yeah, go ahead. Let's no go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so the other thing I wanted to say though is that the you know, uh just like basic anatomy or even physiology one oh one is like form equals function, right? And so mm-hmm. the reason why these viral spikes are on this coronavirus is because those spikes bind only to certain receptors on the host cell that it is attacking. And so it's kind of a lock and key mechanism where those spikes uh, that are on the coronavirus, the corona, it will go and then it just finds the specific, on the host cell, the specific lock that it can fit into as a key, and that is how it enters the cell and begins the process of replicating. Wow. That wow. Cell. Very, I love it so much because, like, uh, cell machinery, uh, it, it's, it's so complex and it's so sophisticated than people really give it credit for because it's just like, oh, it's just these little simple things. But, no, it's, it's a very smart, very efficient system um, that has developed and continues to develop and evolve. Huh. I didn't know that. I I I I didn't think about what the function of those spikes on the crown would be. Of course they have yeah. a function. They're not there for decoration, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> not not a tiara. No. So we have virus, corona, coronavirus. We know it's coronavirus. <laughs> Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Crises precipitate change. Demise. I want to devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Crush your corporations with a mild touch. The system and revert you to papyrus. I want to make a super virus strong enough to cause blackouts in every single metropolis. Because they don't want to unify you. So anarchy and can nobody stop us. You see, late in the evening. My computer and my mind starts roaming I create like a heathen The first cycles of this virus I can send through a modem Infiltration hits your station No Microsoft or enhanced DOS will impede Society thinks they're safe when Bingo, hard drive, 
rending. A lot of hackers tried viruses before. Vaporize your text like so much whiteouts. I want it where a file replication is a chore. Lights out, shut down, entire White House. I don't want just a bug that could be corrected. I'm erecting immaculate design. Break the nation down section by section. Even to the greatest minds, it's impossible to find. I want to devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Crush your corporations with a mild touch. Computer system and revert you to papyrus. I wanna devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Crush your corporations with a mild touch. Computer system and revert you to papyrus. I have already planned. The plan is programmed into every one of my thousand robots. We will not hesitate. We will destroy the Homo sapiens. Break right through they terminals, burn them all, slaves to silicon, corrupt politicians with leaders and their keywords. FBI and spies stealing bombs, precipitate their plans in their face and catch the fever. Everybody loot the stores, get your canned goods, even space stations are having a hard time. Peacekeepers seek to take our manhood, which results in the form of global up. Ghettos are trash dumps with gas pumps Exploded and burnt out since before the Great Union The last punks walk around like mass monks Ready to manipulate the database or break through them Human rights come in a hundredth place Mass production has always been number one New Earth has become a romance It was helping out to spread the fear that fun is long have we tried to extend our glorious empire out to the stars? Only to be driven To bring dire straits to your environment Crush your corporations with a mild touch Revert you to papyrus I wanna devise a virus To bring dire straits to your environment Crush your corporations with a mild touch Computer system and revert you to papyrus Isolation. So there's all this talk about isolation. Um, what can you tell me about isolation? I feel like in order to talk about isolation, I kind of need to talk about quarantine first. Can I talk about oh, quarantine? Quarantine. Yes. Okay. We can talk about quarantine first. Good. Yes. Let's, let's do, cause I, I, yeah, I know a little bit about it. Um, and hopefully I won't sound like an ass. Okay, go ahead. Quarantine. <laughs> tell me about, what can you tell me about quarantine? Okay, so quarantine is kind of a ride, but it's a really fun one. I really love the history of this word. And so in order to understand how we got the word quarantine, we kind of have to go back in time a little bit, a little bit of science history, where we have to go back to mid-14th century Europe. So what was going on in mid-14th century Europe was the bubonic plague, otherwise known as Black Death, and it was just totally decimating Europe. 
And it was specifically between the years of like 1347 and 1350. That was a really vicious three years in which one third of Europe's population was just wiped out. And because of that huge wipeout, um, a lot of officials in various European cities realized that they needed to take some sort of direct action. Like, what can we do to stop, stop or at least halt this dying off of our population? And so what one city did, it was a port city um, in what is now known as Croatia, um, city officials passed a law that established Trentino, which is a 30-day period of isolation for ships coming in from plague-affected areas. And so what that meant is that when the ship docked on the shore, no one was allowed to visit um, those ships, that people that were living in that city, and nobody that was on that ship was allowed to leave. And um, if anybody did visit the ship, then that person was immediately put into forced mandatory 30-day isolation. And so other cities in Europe began adopting these measures too, to the point to where over the next century, cities extended this isolation period from 30 days to 40 days. And then the terms of this changed from quarantine, you know, which is where we get quarantine. And as I'm sure you're familiar with, Three in Italian is tre, and four in Italian is quattro. Quattro. From this 40-day isolation period, quarantino, quarantine. So why did they go from 30 to 40? Does that extra 10 days make a big difference? I don't know. Um, I don't know what the historical documents say about that. You know, honestly, just kind of thinking offhand, I would almost say that do you think maybe there's like a biblical implication with that Russ? 40 40 days and 40 nights 40 days in the wilderness right isn't that the wilderness time where you go and you and things for the universe to be yes 40 days of lent yeah 40 yeah 40 days have this like important religious connotation there, so I really, yeah. I'm just kind of like armchair thinking about this. I would almost think because this is that was such a scary time. Um, people in you know the Middle Ages didn't understand what a virus was, and so what are you going to rely on? You're going to rely on your faith and your religion and praying to God. So maybe if they just rounded it up, oh, let's go from thirty to forty. Forty. Maybe, maybe yeah. God will take be honest and quit having us die off by the millions yeah yeah huh okay we're gonna have to look into the 40 the the 40 days it just seems like in the even though the beginning like the very very origin of the 40 days in the biblical sense you gotta wonder if that's like the religious belief followed a biological observation or I'm going to give you 40 days to get back home I done called up a gypsy woman on the telephone I'm going to send out a worldwide who do that and be the very thing that is suit you I'm going to say she'll be back home in 40 days Woo! 40 days 40 days 40 days 40 days 
Okay, so this is your host, Dr. Russell Cobb of the show Word Salad, breaking in here with some research I've just come across. I'm sorry to interrupt my fascinating interview with Apollonia Pena, a friend and frequently frequent collaborator and contributor to Word Salad, but the, you, you got to hear this, people. You just, you have to hear this. Now, we know that 40 days is the quarantine, the original quarantine that originated in Venice, and that the very word quarantine relates to the quarantina, which is the 40 days. But we were just speculating about whether that 40 days also relates to some of those biblical concepts, namely Jesus resisting temptation for 40 days, the 40 days of the flood of Noah of the flood in the book of Genesis. Um, and sure enough, that is a big point of discussion online. Uh, I looked on language log, which is a wonderful website where a bunch of linguists chime in and present evidence about these sorts of things. Now, some people are convinced that it's not a coincidence at all, that the 40 days that appear in the Bible are relate to a concept that the 40 day period was sort of like this period in which um, life would sort of cycle through. So. Christ was fasting in the desert for 40 days. So that was a, a, a period of time. And it was also common to give a widow 40 days to stay in her dead husband's home, even if she was not to inherit the home, that that was a standard uh, period of time. 40 days or the number 40, I should say, was extremely important in a lot of ancient traditions, mystical traditions, namely the Kabbalah in Judaism. 40 is, the word for 40 is mem, M-E-M. And that is a word that also signifies water. So there you start to see it turn back around to the 40 days of the flood, right? Now, 40 days was also considered, and I'm not sure if this is in you know, modern science, but in the ancient world, they believed, and it may very well be, I'm not sure, that 40 days was the stage from the beginning of pregnancy into the formation of a fetus, that it took 40 days. So that was an important stage of pregnancy. 40 also relates to the Torah. 40 is the name for water, also for the flood. And it was 40 days, excuse me, 40 years that was understood to be the the age that one then received the deepest measure of wisdom. So if you really wanted to understand the Torah, you needed to study and study and study. And then when you reached the age of 40, you would finally 
comprehend the depths of the book. So, 40 being the super important word and concept that um, is not only in, in Christianity, but also go back, goes back to Judaism and indeed even beyond that to some really old Semitic religions. Uh, in the Aramaic, Mem also means water, the Phoenician as well. And um, the Phine- that, that M-E-M gave rise to the Greek letter Mu, M-U, and the Latin M. So, yeah. Um, some people even believe that the, that the Phoenician word for water is the same as the ancient Hebrew Mem. So there you go. Like, <clears throat> 40 is water. Um, 40 is wisdom. 40 is a time period that is relating to a cycle, even relating to the very beginnings of life. And then, according to Cameron on this language log, during the Iranian Revolution of 1978-1979, the major episodes of street unrest took place at 40-day intervals. The Feast of the Ascension occurs on the 40th day of Easter. So... 40 is like this major signifier of a period of a of a, of a sort of a time period and it's also and I, this may be completely coincidental but 40 is a major marker of 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 space right Acreage of 40, 40 acres is a basic measurement for, say, a small farm. And if you've heard people talk about the back 40, well, that is reference to 40 acres as well. 40 acres in a mule was a post-Civil War plan of giving ex-slaves uh, the amount of, uh, an amount of, of land. So there you go. I mean, 40, so it turns out 40 is like this major, majorly important concept, not only in terms of a measurement of time, but of space and relating to a, a concept of water. Why 40 and water are connected, I do not know. But if you know, and you would like to tell me, you can tell me it. One possible, this is just me, this is just your host, Dr. Russell Cobb, throwing out uh, a possible hypothesis. But if we think about the connection between Lent, so the 40 days of Easter, that spring probably predates anything to do with Christianity since the very word uh, Mem 40 is ancient, is ancient Hebrew and Phoenician. It's an Aramaic. It's like super, 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 super old. It may relate to springtime. I'm just guessing here. I'm just, just spitballing here. If we've got 40 related to water, to spring, to the flood, 
to fasting to a life cycle, it just may very well be that 40 is a signifier of water and of life. Um, yeah. I mean, isn't that, that's kind of positive, right? Maybe we will wrap it up on that positive note. Well, you know, actually, let's not wrap up. Let's wrap up this little segment here. Let's get back to our interview with Apollonia Pina. You're listening to Word Salad, the show with all the words, all the best words. I am your host, Dr. Russell Cobb. Every month, every 30 days, not 40 days, we bring you a show that examines a word, a group of words, and tell you everything you need to know about that show. Let's hear from Muddy Waters. 40 days and 40 nights. Since my baby left this town Sun shining all day long But the rain keep coming down She's my life, I need her soul Why she left, I just don't know And for the night, since I sat right down and cried, keep raining all the time, but the river is running dry. Lord, help me, it just ain't right. I love that girl with all of my mind. Here's dog. Dog, what are the words you've heard recently you didn't hear before? That's my dog chewing on his bone. Not many people interview around here, and even if I could, my uh, my arm doesn't reach beyond maybe three feet hey kids how's it going are you still thinking about our words that we talked about remember our words around coronavirus we talked about do you remember those henry what were some of the words you wanted to know more about none of them none of them not even isolation? August, do you remember any of our words that we talked about? Um, yep. What were they? Uh, hold on. Um, there was um, coronavirus, COVID, 
Uh, isolation and quarantine. Awesome. Which one do you want to know most about? Which word do you really want to know what, what, what's up with that word? Probably COVID. Okay, COVID. We're going to find out about COVID. We're on a quest to find out about COVID. Henry, do you want to know about COVID? Nope. Don't you want to know when we're going to get out of quarantine? Why do you, why do you want to get out of quarantine? Tell me why you, why you don't want to be in quarantine. Like what, what do you want to do that you, what do you want to do now that you can't do that you used to be able to do? When I was at school, I could do much more things. Like what? I don't know. Coronaviruses are a type of virus. The one we're all talking about is new and it causes a disease called COVID-19. Now, most people will only be mildly affected by it, but it can kill. It starts by infecting our upper respiratory tracts, which are the airways from your nose to just above your vocal cords. You may develop a fever as your immune system starts to fight the virus and a dry cough. That's one where you don't produce any phlegm. The virus can then spread to the lungs, making it harder for people to breathe and it can cause pneumonia. In the most serious cases, people can die from the coronavirus. This is because the immune system can go into overdrive and that can lead to organ failure. So we need to do what we can to stop this virus from spreading. As it gets into your body by breathing it in or through your eyes and mouth, the best thing to do is wash your hands regularly and properly for at least 20 seconds. Catch your colds and sneezes in a tissue and avoid touching your face. tell me about isolation. All I can tell you about isolation is that um, it's really difficult for a lot of people and it's hard for people. I think it's really having an impact on the mental health of a lot of people because it's making them realize how much they actually do need human connection, whether it's just seeing their friends or going out and being out in public and but the whole point of isolation in regards to this pandemic is to make sure that a you're protected right so you're not being exposed to other people that are potential symptomatic or asymptomatic carriers of COVID-19 and then additionally you being in isolation in case you do have COVID-19 and say that you're an asymptomatic carrier, even that you're not further going out and about in the public, spreading, shedding these um, 
COVID-19 viruses to other people, even though you may think that you're safe and okay and healthy. Right. Um, What do you think constitutes isolation? Like how we, we talk about being isolated and we need to go to isolation, but what 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 does isolation mean to you? Like what what is it? What's the essence of it? To me, when I think of isolation, um, I think of people, myself, staying at home, making sure that you have enough food, water, provisions to, in this case, uh, last 14 days, and then absolutely not leaving your house to go out and about. Maybe going out into the yard is fine. That's fine, uh-huh. but really venture out further beyond that and um, only the people that live in your household are literally the only people that you have contact with and those people that live with you also are in this really strict 14-day period of isolation where they are not going out and everybody is just staying in the home and that's it yeah yeah how what 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 kind of effects I mean you said you mentioned mental health but what kind of effects are you seeing isolation have on people that you know? Um, some of the things uh, immediately that I can think of is a lot of people are calling their friends a lot more on the phone or trying to do Skype or Zoom meetings because they want to see something a little bit more than just a a voice phone call. Like they want to actually see their friends' faces, even if it's through a computer screen. Um, calling people that they haven't talked to in 15 years, (laughs) Um, reconnecting, and then also other people feeling very lonely and depressed because uh, depending on what industry that they work in, they may have lost their jobs entirely uh, almost overnight. And so really struggling too to keep up with bills, um, to keep up with rent, food, childcare. And uh, I've also heard quite a number of people have picked up their daily alcohol consumption as well, because maybe it's a mixture of boredom, uh, nothing else to do, and maybe also they're just a little depressed, and maybe that's one of their coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Um, are you. Are you seeing, let's see, what, what day are we on here? What, what day... Do you know how long in number of days that you've been isolating more or less? Because I'm on day oh. 53. Oh, really? I don't know. You know, I feel like that's something I should know, but I feel uh-huh. like the information here in Oklahoma is so kind of like murky and kind of like mm-hmm. gray. Area. There is, I, I don't know if there's really an official day one that we started of uh-huh. um because the state I live in in particular has had some ridiculously lax rules when it comes to enforcing stay-at-home orders and uh-huh. um, really making it clear to the people that live in the state that they need to be doing everything they can to protect themselves and to protect their community uh, through staying home um, and wearing face masks such as that. But approximately, I would say here, it's been about a month. Okay. Okay. Um, it, 
we're on the verge here. We've been, it's like I said, 53 days here on the verge of starting to loosen some of the isolation, some of the social distancing rules in the sense that some kinds of businesses are allowed being allowed to reopen. Um, but I, I don't know if I'm ready to go venture out there. You know what I mean? I'm just, I don't know if I'm ready. How, how about you? Yeah, I'm not ready for that either. And I know a lot of my friends that try to do their due diligence in reading, watching, keeping up with the news and um, best guided practices for this pandemic, even though uh, our state has opened up considerably uh, this past Friday to where restaurants are opened up, um, bookstores, things like that, a lot of Local businesses, uh, thank God, are taking it upon themselves to say, you know, even though we're technically allowed to fully open up again, we're still not comfortable with this. So we're still going to continue curbside service and to go uh-huh. only and feel more comfortable. And I know a lot of my friends are also keeping up with that as well, to where they're still maintaining social distancing or just not seeing their friends for the time being and then continuing to stay at home and if they do go out and about they're doing something that's very outdoorsy like going on hikes going to the park going on bike rides to where you don't really have to interact or be around other people it's pretty easy to avoid them yeah yeah um are you okay so mm-hmm. i read this thing about so speaking of oklahoma like um, a few people shared this thing with me about how the city of Stillwater had a a rule or a law that they were going to require people to wear masks in businesses. And there was such a, a, a potentially violent reaction to it that they had to walk that back. What, yeah. what do you think of what what do you think about masks? Like, what why is that such a huge deal for people yeah so masks aren't 100 percent effective but they're considerably more effective than not wearing one at all the whole point of somebody wearing a mask is one most importantly if you are a carrier of COVID-19 and you either know it or don't know it whenever you are having to go out and get groceries which you're going to need to get um, that you in case you sneeze cough or even just random little Fiddle flex coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. uh, That is going onto the mask first and not so much onto your surrounding area. Uh And in addition, if somebody else is around you and say they sneeze in a very close vicinity of you, you're not inhaling some of those droplets coming from them. Right. I know. And and, and it seems like the, the thinking on this has evolved and there's a pretty decent like empirical consensus that it it's not foolproof but it's certainly better than nothing at all and yet when i wear and and i don't live i mean i live in a pretty conservative place certainly by canadian standards but um not by american standards but even not by oklahoma standards oh god no forget about it um uh but when i wear a mask i sort of 
a different uh, vibe, you know? Um, why? It, it seems like we should be, if anything, we should be like, oh, good, you're wearing a mask. That That's, you know, that's, you're being more, uh, you're being, you're doing your due diligence. You're being cautious. Um, we should be thankful for that. But I sense that there's a sort of like, among certain people, let's say, among certain people, uh, there is a um, uh, an animosity or a sort of like hot, almost hostility that like a mask somehow signifies oppression or some kind of nefarious intent. And I'm just wondering what's going on with that. A certain culture, a certain way of thinking about your fellow human being. Okay. Kind of people that are like you're infringing about my freedoms and i even saw this one ridiculous taken out of context find by this woman who was like one of those patriots with a gun uh protesting wearing a mask where she had a sign that said my body my choice and it showed uh she was holding up a poster that had a mask on it with with a line through it and Ultimately, I see those kind of people as the type of Americans that are very, and this is what America prides itself on, right? Like, we're kind mm-hmm. of its foundation roots is that strong, independent individualism. And right. making yourself, pulling your own self up by your bootstraps, working hard, right. you your own way, don't tell me what to do, I'm self-made. And not thinking of your community as a whole at large which is really that's not the culture of America so much and so a lot of people here do think that way and so it's the difference of thinking of yourself and only of yourself very selfishly and then thinking of yeah this may be kind of a minor inconvenience to me but I would hate to see my friend's grandmother accidentally get sick because of a little dumb mistake that I made that could have easily have been prevented had I been wearing gloves had I been washing my hands for 20 seconds had I been wearing a mask so it's a difference of thinking collectively and thinking individualistically It's been a great uh, episode. I've really enjoyed learning about the linguistic origins of pandemic and virus and quarantine. And I hope you have too. And if you have any ideas for further shows, any linguistic mysteries you'd like me to investigate, please get in touch. You can send me an email at rcobb, R-C-O-B-B at ualberta.ca. You can send me a tweet, scissor tail, that's a bird. Scissor tail spelled just like a scissors, like a pair of scissors, and tail like the tail of a dog. Scissor tail seven four. Um, or you can search up word salad on Facebook. Just search up CJSR word salad, and hopefully, when I see you again next time, we will be on the other side of this crazy thing. And for now. All I can say is word up.